0: My friends, what is happening? What is going on? Welcome, welcome to another great episode here of the Aaron Gavin Podcast presented by Rugged Evolution Beard Care. Rugged is the new smooth. Look, guys, um, so excited to have you on this great Monday. Uh, again, coming with you new episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time via podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, from whether it's iHeart, Spotify, Apple, hey, you name it, you can find us on there. Also, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time via YouTube. Our YouTube channel is R Smooth Club Media. R Smooth Club Media truly appreciate all the people that uh, subscribe to our uh, uh, YouTube channel. Leave a comment, like all that great stuff. You can also tune in on our Facebook page, R Smooth Club Podcast, as well as, uh, X, formerly known as Twitter. I'm gonna keep on saying formerly known as Twitter because I feel like I've just I I can never get used to just X. It's a one letter. Gosh, I hate I just uh, X. I'm sending out some X's. I'm sending out some X's. Just it it sounds so weird. So anyway, guys, you know how I enjoy discussing uh politics with you all. A little bit about me. I am. I said in the beginning, I want to make sure we're all informed on everything. whether what's happening in your community, in your backyard, is very much needed to have the knowledge of your local politics state politics we all can you know hear about national politics on the news and uh we think that's like the the most important thing but really it's what happens in your backyard in your own state so very excited because i started a small uh series wireless election season contacting getting getting uh, uh, in contact with some of my good friends who uh work within you know in politics whether they're uh candidates uh, uh, current officials uh, uh people that work behind the scenes i want to get their insight and we also you know we we get their insight on both sides of the aisle because you hey, hate like i've always mentioned guys i'm a middle guy i don't run with the herd so i have friends from all different sides so if you don't like it well don't watch it but i please do watch it because you know i like having the views and subscribe so yeah please watch it <laughs> but seriously like you we have to realize guys we live in a universal world so at the end of the day we have to we have to respect others' opinions. I, I just wish the world would, in, you know, encourage that more because I do see a lot of division right now. But, again, respect others' opinions. And, look, we all don't have to agree to each other, but we all have to, you know, enjoy each other's company and all that good stuff. So, look, enough with all that. I'm excited to have on a gentleman who is has a, a strong passion, so much of a passion. He is running for office, right? And I always tell people, why the hell do you want to run for office? Ugh. It's like it's you know, it's the politics can be kind of cutthroat, right? But I'm very excited because he's an awesome dude, and also he's a fellow bearded brother. Yes, yes, yes. That's also why he's one of my favorite people because he has a beard. Yes, I said it. If you don't have a beard, I don't like you. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm not being discriminatory. If you don't have a beard, but uh we we'll have Mr. Jeremy Rodden on with us. He is the candidate. He's running for a House, uh, House of Delegates District 90th oh, over in uh um the state of in my hometown in Virginia. Uh mostly representing the Chesapeake area, but I believe he has some other parts that he'll cover, which we'll, you know, we'll talk with him on. Um, he is an author, a publisher, an educator, and just all around, hey, great family man that has, you know, this sees something that needs to be done, and he's taking initiative with that by running. So uh without further ado, y'all, I'm gonna introduce Mr. Jeremy Rodden. Jeremy, how you doing, my friend? Hey Arrington, thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate it. Awesome, awesome, awesome! Look, I hope I hope I did that intro justice. I always have to let people know, like, hey, look, I usually like to go off the top of the dome. I, you know, I do my homework as well, but I always want to, you know, make sure I did not leave anything out. So, were, were you satisfied with that intro? No, no, you you actually covered everything pretty well. Um, the the only the only
1: thing is, is that uh, District ninety uh, is actually the only House of Delegates district that is entirely comprised inside Chesapeake. Jes- Jes- so. Um, the, the, the district I am running for does not share with anybody else, which I like because that allows me as a delegate to, you know, focus on the needs of of my city um, and mm-hmm, without any mm-hmm. type of conflicting type of stuff, um, you know, and that's, that's yeah. so yeah, so that's, it's, it's the only one that's entirely, there's five districts that have parts of Chesapeake, but 90 gotcha. is 100% inside Chesapeake.
0: Also, look, I truly appreciate, man, for correcting me on that, because, again, I we this, is, this show is all about, you know, having some fun, refreshing, but also being informative. So thank you so much for that correction. Uh, Jeremy, before I get going, as far as, uh, you know, some more questions I want to ask you, tell the folks a little bit about yourself. Get, you know, give us a quick background about you.
1: So um, I am, as you said in the intro, I'm an educator. Um, I have a master's degree in education. I am a former high school English teacher uh, back in Philadelphia, where I'm originally from. Um, mm-hmm. been in Chesapeake for about 13 years now, over 13 years. Um, I work as a substitute teacher actively within Chesapeake public schools to this day. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, picking up shifts here and there, mostly high school and middle school. So that's where my uh, wheelhouse is. But, um, in addition to that, I am the father of three. I have an 18 year old, a 13 year old and eight year old. And, um, I'm the, still the primary caregiver at home. Part of the reason why I substitute instead of back into full-time teaching and, um, but while I've been home, as you also said, I'm a published author. Uh, my first uh, middle grade fiction novel was published in 2011. Since then, I've had over a dozen publications, uh, several wow. full length novels, short story collections, things like that that I've had published. So, um, but then I'm also I'm also very active as a volunteer, as an advocate and activist throughout the city. Uh, I have worked with uh, CASA, the court appointed special advocates. I was a volunteer for that for years. I've um, continued educating. I work with the uh, non-profits like Together We Can Foundation, which is based out of Virginia Beach, focusing on soft skills and uh, education for people working on GEDs or mm. going back to school, things like, you know, in that area. Um, so that's kind of a, a specialty uh, the area that I like to work in as far as education goes. Um, and then I'm also uh, f- co-founded a non-profit, Pride in the Peak, which is Chesapeake's uh, pride event in the month of June. Uh, we are unique in that we have the only local pride event out of all you know hampton roads that is a family and youth focused pride event with mm-hmm. no adult themes things like that something that it really matches chesapeake as a brand chesapeake as a city our biggest brand is about family it's about community um, it's about come here raise your kids um, so when we built a pride event we wanted to continue to work in that realm and focus on one that you could bring your whole family to they're not going to see anything that they don't you know, they're not ready for. Um, and to me, that's just an understanding of what our city is and what we city likes. We had over 3000 people attend this year. Um, wow. So we know that this is the trajectory of our city. Our city is becoming more diverse. It's, it's becoming younger. It's looking for leadership that understands the city as it is today and mm-hmm. not the city as it was 15, 20 years ago.
0: Absolutely. And, um, absolutely. You know,
1: that that kind of goes into the next question of, of well, why I'm running, but.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I mean, but, you know, it's funny because, I mean, I'm I'm a born and raised. I, I consider myself a true Chesapeakean. Right. And I see a lot of issues that I'm like, wow, this has to be dealt with. And then I see, you know, growth as well. And that, you know, I'm you know proud of seeing exactly, you know, slowly but surely. But we are, you know, we are growing. And uh, I was I, I'll tease you a little bit because you named a lot of titles that you have. I. I see. Hence, why you're also a fellow bald man. Because I'm sorry, I have a lot of titles too, and this hair just went away from me. <laughs> oh
1: but, yeah, uh, yeah no, that, made that call a while ago. That was years ago. As
0: soon as it started going, I was like, nah, yeah, not gonna be goodbye, that guy goodbye. trying to goodbye. hold on to it. <laughs> there you go. There you go. There you go. But no. But that's awesome, Jeremy. And and again, yes. Uh, tying into the next question, man, why why you know why pursue running for a local office? Because uh, you know it's just something that. Not everybody can we, we bring it up in conversation because let's be honest, like, I mean, as as voters, as citizens, we always find a bunch of issues that, hey, look, I have an issue with that. But we never say, huh, eh, I think I run for office and do somebody because we don't want the headache. It's a lot. It's cutthroat. I mean, you think you have friends sometimes within politics and really people within your own party, of course, opposing side, too. But it's a it's a cut. It's really a cutthroat field. So, you know, I'm very I'm very curious, like what made you want to say hey k look i'm gonna pursue running for local office
1: so um you know this is actually my second time running i ran last year for chesapeake school board um mm-hmm. which is kind of what led into continuing uh you know to run for the house of delegates this year but um it, you know as with many people oftentimes it's one or two specific issues that really get you engaged um, mm-hmm. as an educator as a as somebody who was a you know cps employee um We watched during the pandemic, we watched the decisions that our school board was making that we really didn't feel was in the best interest of teachers and students. And um, one of the biggest frustrations I had was when I started looking at who was on our school board and how we only had one, one and a half, I'll say, people at the time that I started looking into it that have ever actually worked in education. You know, our current mm, school board mm. as it stands right now only has one only has one person who ever actually worked as an educator and administrator in the schools, um, and
0: wow.
1: that's kind of one of those things where you're like, man, somebody should do something about that. And then mm-hmm. you kind of have to look in the mirror and say, well, I, I'm somebody. You know, am I am yeah. I in a position that I can do this? And uh, it's it, yeah, not everybody can do it. It's it's not mm. for everybody. You know. It, I've known people that were more introverted that ran for office. I don't know how they (laughs) do that. You know, I'm, I'm an extrovert. I I get energy from events and from talking to Mm -hmm. people, you know, it's just who I've always been. Um, But yeah, there's, there's always to some degree. And and I've talked to other candidates who try to claim that there's, there's no ego. Like, Oh, I don't have an ego. Well, for one, we all have egos regardless, you know, Mm -hmm. where it comes in at can vary. Um, But there is a certain level of, confidence you have to have in yourself because really you're stepping up for a job interview for for in front of tens and thousands of people and trying to convince yeah. them why you're better than the other person so mm-hmm. if you don't have that confidence and that ego you definitely don't belong in that realm you're going to get hurt really or it's mm-hmm. or it's just going to be too much it's going to be so stressful that it, you know, you can't um, and I've known some people that you know regretted running I've known a lot of people that, that haven't so um, but why I specifically wanted to run for this office was, you know, after running for school board last last year, and and for those that don't know, in Chesapeake, our, our school board and city council are still um, citywide, um, mm-hmm. which is a whole other different ridiculous issue when we've got 260,000 people and 350 square miles, and, and our municipal candidates have to run the entire city, um, yeah. unlike all of the other Cities pretty much nearby and Virginia beach just recently got their ward system. But again, that's a whole different issue, but, you know, Southern Chesapeake, which is where district 90 is all of great bridge and Hickory, basically, um, you know, from great bridge Boulevard down to the border with North Carolina is the district. And then from Mm -hmm. 17 to the border with Virginia beach. So it's a big district geographically because it includes all that rural and agricultural area. Mm -hmm. Um, But the biggest thing that I heard was really, like I said earlier, people are frustrated with the current representation they don't think that the people that we have representing us now understand the city as it is now and what the city's needs are currently Mm -hmm. um specifically in my district a lot of people feel like the the current delegate is more interested in protecting the the interests of big businesses you know the 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 energy monopolies like dominion and things like that Mm -hmm. than they are actually about the everyday issues that That people are upset about in the area, Mm -hmm. um, such as education funding, um, the reckless overdevelopment. Um, We're losing a lot of our agricultural heritage in Southern Chesapeake. I mean, you know, you've been Chesapeake your whole life. I mean, Chesapeake used to be mostly agricultural. uh, And as it's going, we're just slowly losing it. And uh, I was told the other day that Virginia Beach actually has more acreage of agricultural land than Chesapeake does now because of how much has been rezoned for industrial and, you know, and residential uh, building. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, the current people, a lot of people don't think that our current reps are trying to help with that and trying to, to, to stop that slow it down, make at least, you know, development's got to happen. Things mm-hmm. are going to progress. That's just the nature of life. Um, but there are better ways of doing it. There are safer ways of doing it. There are less reckless ways. Um, and And people feel like
0: they're just worried about profits over people right now. Got you, got you. And, 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 you know, what's funny. I've said that many a times just really in politics because it's it's starting to be like a, a very greedy business. Right. OK. And you said, it, you know, money over morals in a sense. Now, as far as for. OK, speaking on the agricultural, how we, you know, Virginia Beach now has more land than Chesapeake and originally Chesapeake. I believe was leading, like mm-hmm. like you mentioned earlier. Would you say though for, say for the small businesses in Chesapeake, wouldn't it be a somewhat beneficial when they do bring up you know say a lot of buildings like like for example I know there's you know slowly developing like almost like a little town center kind of area over in Summit Point you know things like that does that the stuff like that benefit and and if so like if if it didn't like how would the like just if we had more just agricultural land, how would that, you know, be beneficial for small businesses? Because I know that's kind of like the question that a lot of people oh, yeah. or voters always ask about. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I mean, the fir- first thing to remember, and a lot of people tend to forget this, um, farms are small businesses as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, th- so uh, you know, a lot of times people think a small business, they they don't they don't think of a farm as, as a business. They think of it as yeah, like a separate class and, and really, um, you know, over 90% of the farms in Virginia as a whole are still smaller family owned farms. Um, mm. Unlike a lot of other States and commonwealths, Virginia hasn't been overtaken by large corporate farming and things like, you know, like that. So, so that's one of the things that we're trying to preserve. Um, yeah, but you're right. It, again, we still do need to grow. We still need to do that with the opportunity. Summit point is a, is a great example of, I think it being done well, they took an area Mm. that was kind of an industrial park really in the, in that center area of Greenbrier. Um, and, and with a, an anchor like the Dollar Tree corporate headquarters, they were really able to build around that. And Mm. I think that's turning into an awesome thing. Great restaurants, you know, an area that you can safely walk around and, you know, kind Mm. of park your car and chill. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see how that's growing. And I think that's going to be a great central thing. Um, What we're talking about preserving, though, is and a lot of the building that we have in Southern Chesapeake, it's being built residential, and Mm -hmm. that is the bigger problem. I mean, there's the there's the 1,400 acres all the way down by the border that's being you know they're turning into a big industrial park, Mm -hmm. Um, and and again, sometimes those types of things are necessary, but they've got to be done right. You've got to account for you know when you're building new residential and you don't account for how it's going to affect school overcrowding. Uh, Because Mm. you build more houses, there's going to be more kids, you know, and in that area, in Southern Chesapeake, like Grassfield Elementary is already at about 150% capacity, I think. Um, Wow. wow. And And that's a large, that's a very large school. (laughs) And that's all, I mean, they've already built an extension on that school. There's, there's trailers outside the school to, I mean, and, and as they continue, so when. You, like I said, building is, is necessary. We're going to have mm-hmm. to build, we're going to have to expand. We got to modernize, we got to keep up with that. But when it's done in such a reckless manner, we don't have, we don't account for the, the environmental impact. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, Chesapeake has is, is got a lot of flooding issues in in different parts of the city um, you know, taking away additional green land and agricultural land adds to that. You know, if we, if you mm-hmm. don't have somewhere for the, if everything's concrete, there's nowhere for the water to go. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, and and things like, um, you know, like our recycling, for example. You know, we, we lost recycling and you know as a curbside pickup option in in the city last year, and part of that was we couldn't keep up with the the needs of all of these new new neighborhoods, new housing mm-hmm. uh, you know developments. Um, so all of that does build into that. But what the other thing that I want to look at, and especially when you know, again, I know you're you're, you're you know more of an independent type of guy and it's important to understand when the landowners that are farmers sell their land for development mm. we can't blame them for trying to make money off of what their property is Absolutely. you know it's and and some people like kind of want to penalize them or stop them from being allowed to do it uh, and that's not the right way to handle it you know we don't want mm. to tell a landowner it's their fault that you know,
0: farming isn't as profitable <laughs> how dare you uh, but choose to make more money for your family i hate it now.
1: <laughs> exactly exactly or or, or some of the, the areas that are looking to convert into solar farms in southern chesapeake mm-hmm. as well i mean the farmers the landowners they got to do the best they can to make money to you know it's their property that's why you have it that's yeah, why really. you own it to make money off of it but from a statewide level if we were to engage better there are ways that we can make the farming more profitable um by tax abatements, things like that, property tax, like um you know, moratoriums. There's a lot of different ways that we can do that. Where it's it would then be more profitable for it to stay a farm, and either that person farm it or sell it to somebody else who wants to farm it, but not somebody mm-hmm. who's planning on just putting in a rezoning application for a residential development. Um, but the reason that's so important is um, the impact on our local economy by being able to have agriculture in our own city. It reduces food costs. Um, mm-hmm. It can help reduce food deserts. You know, we have some places. You know, in Southern Chesapeake can feed Northern Chesapeake. You know, South Norfolk doesn't have farms, but it has a lot of people you know, that need food. Yeah. yeah. And the more, the more we can be self-sufficient within that, and have active, good farming techniques, the the we can reduce food costs. We can reduce the you know the food deserts. You know, when we have to import everything from far away, costs rise. So mm-hmm, there mm-hmm. there are benefits for that. And then and then there's the the heritage aspect of maintaining a certain expectation of life. You know, people that live in Southern Chesapeake live there for a reason. You know, yeah. they like being in a more rural agricultural area and the more that's taken away, the more people feel like they're losing the promise of what Chesapeake offered them. Um, so, so that's that's a little a lot more sound, sounds familiar.
0: A lot of promises being made, but nothing's ever. No, I mean, that's <laughs> again a, a certain pattern that occurs. You know, and I'm speaking as a, as a voter. I think that's what mm-hmm. makes really politics. I think now a little more harder because a lot of people are just frustrated. Like people are just oh, like overwhelmingly frustrated. I mean, how many times do we see random moments of? road rage or arguments in the part you know, just around, like, why is everybody so frustrated? But it's just cost of living is, you know, increasing. And like you're mentioning, you know, people are, was given, it was uh, a promise was made to them. And it's like, th- look, this is my home. But now, now my home is technically like being taken away because you want to continue to make more money, but what about us? So I, I you know, I, I hear loud and clear uh, what you're saying. Um We've hit, you know, we've hit on the education factor. uh, We've hit mm-hmm. on the environmental uh, I want to talk about the civil rights protection that you have on. Um, that you're one of your issues that you're fighting for. Uh, I know recently I've uh, heard that I believe either three precincts for uh people to go vote for was taken away from them, so it makes really it makes it harder for uh certain areas to like vote, which is you know, I feel as though it's an unfair advantage because. And you're running, if I, if it's OK, if I can mention you're running uh, as a, as a, on the Democratic uh, as a Democratic candidate for the House of Delegates and I Chesapeake. Shame, in my, I'm proud Democrat. <laughs> yeah. OK. So like Chesapeake, in my eyes, is very conservative. Now, I've heard otherwise. I've heard it's, you know, fairly purple. I don't see the purple in it. I really. See, I mean, I, I of course, I look on school board. I look on our uh, uh, council. I mean, one one. Democrat. I, I, You know, we have, uh, I believe, nine people on council, two minorities, one Democrat. I think it's a, uh, close to the same on the school board. I think one minority, but no, no. Dem- and again, and what I, I'm, I'm saying that not saying that I'm a Democrat, but what I'm saying is I love to see at least let's be fair. Right. Let's be reasonable. Not everybody in the city are concerned, you know, very conservative or, or Republicans. So it makes it difficult because it's like. I feel like they're doing that in a certain. I mean, what what would you have to say about that, Jeremy?
1: So, so yeah, so th- there's th- that's that's a twofold issue. One, the thing I'd already mm-hmm. I mentioned earlier about the, the need for a ward system. Um, mm-hmm. That that is one of the ways that we can get better representation. Like you said, you know, there's there are are, are two black members of city council. There's one black member of school board. But Chesapeake's thirty percent black. You know, so when you have mm-hmm. nine seats, you're looking at roughly three seats to to have adequate representation. Um, mm-hmm. But right now, most of the city council and school board lives in the more central part of the city in you know, Great Bridge or Greenbrier for the most part. There's only mm-hmm. a couple that, you know, there's none from South Norfolk, none from Indian River, there's a couple in Western Branch, none from Deep Creek, um, mm-hmm. I think one from Hickory. Now, but other than that, you know, the rest of them all live in that kind of centralized uh, area. Um, and it's the same problem that Virginia Beach had for the longest time, where where all of the representation came from oceanfront interests. And that's because that's where the money was, and that's where they mm-hmm. were able to get funded. And then they were then voting citywide, but everybody came from the same area, which means they were all representing interests in that area and not the rest of the city. So that would mm-hmm. be one fix. Um, now, that's going to be a hard fix because – If city council won't voluntarily do it, which why would they? They benefit from the current system. Mm -hmm. Um, It's going to have to go through a legal process like Virginia Beach did or um, some sort of state level process, kind of like what we had to do to move the local elections from from May to November um, that Mm -hmm. went through a state legislation. So there's ways that we can do it. But the other issue we have and go into the the feelings of voter suppression in certain areas is, is directly. So there was two locations that were removed um, from early voting this year, that were available last year. Um, mm-hmm. the, the most prominent of them being Providence is the district. It's, it's the Coffee Center in South Norfolk, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know anybody knows the city knows that it is a strong, predominant black um, you know part of our city. Um, mm-hmm. That is the community that is there. Uh, the the problem with them, their argument for removing it was that it wasn't being used enough. But they only used the data from last. Year. Year, which is an off year election,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: you know, di- you, they didn't look back multiple years to say, Okay, well, what about in different years and in you know, presidential years and things like that?
0: Mm. Um, so yeah, that I mean, would to cut say that when that's you, when you meant by because, you, yeah. When you meant by you, when you meant by okay. usage, you're talking about um vote like voters. It was a low vo- voter turnout with with that. Before well, early about voting, that? yeah, yeah, for how for many early voting? I got yeah, it. for
1: how many people actually went to that location for early voting? You know, their argument was that it, not enough people used it to justify keeping it open from a cost perspective. That that was their on paper argument. Um, yeah, but the the problem is, and I agreed with Dr. Ella Ward, who is the one Democrat that is on uh, City Council. You know, her argument was. Even if it's a hundred more people, why wouldn't we want a hundred more votes? You know, why wouldn't we, even if that's all it is, that's still, and, and, you know, it's, it's, we have poor transportation in the city. It's not like we've got strong public transportation or anything. So people that live in that area, it's harder for them to necessarily get to some of the other locations. Mm-hmm. And therefore they either have to wait till election day to try to vote um, or the, the the two Saturdays that we have, maybe they can get a ride or or have some transportation. So uh, to me, it's it's just fundamentally, we should be making voting as easy as possible, you know, mm. and as accessible as possible. And anything that we do apart from that, and, and nobody can argue anything about the integrity of Virginia's elections. Virginia has one of the strongest and safest election systems. We use paper ballots that's, that can always be referenced as, as needed. You know, it's not like everything's done on a computer and we don't have pieces of paper like they they. We, we have both, it's counted by the computer, but we, we always have those physical papers um, that we can reference back to. You know, uh, you have to you have, to have ID to vote. And, and if you don't, you can still vote, but then it becomes a provisional ballot that just needs some extra checking before it's counted. Um, but you mm-hmm. still have, you can still vote. Uh, so like, there's no reason to make it harder in Virginia when we have a system that has been, you know, nearly perfect, you know, for years. We we do elections right. We have strong election integrity, so mm-hmm. expanding the vote should be our goal, not restricting it and and making it harder for people to vote.
0: Gotcha, you, gotcha, you, gotcha. You. I want to speak on also. You know, you're the co-founder of Pride in the Peak. Now, speak. I want to I want to hear more about uh your uh nonprofit because I think again too, and I uh, you know, it's what am I trying to say. Chesapeake is very and again, I go I just go based on my personal opinion yep. about the city in the city of Chesapeake is very pretty conservative. I mean, I feel like we have probably a church in every five seconds. You know, you, there, we have churches, that only, you know, it's six churches, five. And I, and I say that just to say, you know, the belief system, you know, in, in Chesapeake. uh, Do you think having, you know, having that does that is, is it hard to kind of wake up or inform the citizens here in Chesapeake on uh the uh, uh I'm losing my I'm losing my train of thought of the exact word but you know where I'm trying to go with as far as the message that you're bringing across with you know through your through your foundation as well as you know what once you're in you know serving office as well too so
1: yeah so now, I mean, now it is important to note, and you know this from running multiple different organizations. You know, Pride in the Peak mm-hmm. is is a five hundred one c three. So mm-hmm. when I'm in that hat, it is non political, it is mm-hmm. non partisan, it is you know the work that we're trying to do as a, as a nonprofit. But, um, but when yeah, you know, when we first started it, our first event was last year when we were first starting mm-hmm. it. That's what we were told. we were t- you can't do that in Chesapeake. You know, you're not you're not you're going to have protesters. You're going to have problems. You're, you're not going to you know it's going to be an issue. Um, mm-hmm. so we did it real low key the first year we, we didn't do a mm-hmm. whole lot of advertising we we kind of just got it through the channels that we knew uh, within the community and we had over 300 people show up even even with all of that but more importantly we had zero protesters we had nobody showing up causing issues or complaining mm-hmm. or whatever um, so when we built it bigger the, the following year we were okay we're going to be prepared because now we're expanding it we're marketing it we're we were Reporting, you know, doing it on the news to let people know about it, Mm -hmm. Um, and we had over three thousand people show up, and we still had no protesters, no problems, no issues. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, I I think part of the reason we're successful in the city is, um, and and my my president Amber Bomer and I, we we go to a lot of um, events to promote the, uh, you know, the work that we do, um, Mm -hmm. craft fairs and things like that throughout the community, and those are the conversations we have when we can tell people the style of events. So a lot of times people think of Pride, they think of Norfolk Pride Fest. They think of, you know, the big Pride events in San Francisco mm-hmm. or, or DC. And, you know, it, those are adult focused events. L- those are events mm-hmm. created for adults to have that inclusive space and being able to be proud of who they are um, out loud and without, you know, hiding anything. Mm -hmm. Uh, But when we created ours and we specifically wanted to tailor it to family and youth, I think that's where we're finding acceptance, even within conservative members of our community. Mm -hmm. Because at Mm -hmm. the end of the day, conservative, liberal, whatever, all of us care about our kids, you know, and all of us want our kids to be okay. So even conservative folks who don't understand or maybe still have some issues trying to work through some of the LGBT language or acceptance Mm – you know, when we're talking about kids and we're talking about how high the rates of suicide are amongst LGBT yeah. youth specifically, four times higher um, than than a child that's not part of the LGBT community, um, people tend to soften up and and are able to listen to the message and put mm-hmm. their kind of personal feelings or whatever, whatever ickiness they feel about it, whether or not it's religious driven, personally driven, whatever, um, and see okay but you know what we do want to create a safe space for our kids we do want kids to feel like they're allowed to be who they are um and that messaging really has permeated across you know political spectrum um Mm -hmm. and we we have had very few any events we go to we've got our pride in the peak stuff i mean we're not hiding who we are or what we're promoting and um you know when we you know we get some looks occasionally but when we when we can have those conversations and we don't have it on a confrontational level we try to meet people where they are. Yeah, we can then talk, and we can make progress. And you know, we don't expect everybody to walk away fully accepting everything from a conversation, mm-hmm. but they can see that there's a difference in presenting this as a safe place for for kids than promoting it as something that's more adult focused. And you know, there's a lot of stuff that you you would see at Norfolk Pride Fest that you wouldn't want to bring your kids to. You know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's,
1: well that's i think for them that's it's for adults
0: <laughs> yeah yeah and i think that's very it's very important that you know that you you know bring something like this up because i feel as though for opposing sides for for good talking points for them they always got to bring up look there's children at drag shows there's children at drag shows and like you and like you mentioned okay you have more adult related things and then you have more family and you know and oriented things, and I, I do think this is very important because at the end of the day, what, how is the message being brought up? I'll just, for example, add a, dra- you know, add a direction, right? How is the message being brought up if it's more of a party then actually okay we want to have a good time but we also want you to please understand and under, uh, follow the message where we're going because look we all struggle with uh with the the language like you mentioned i i'll, I'll say for myself i you know i struggle and i have friends that are uh, from the you know from the community close friends and family and i always have to correct myself because i always ask i'm like wait can you know can i say that am i am, or am i off a letter or you know what is the problem you know uh, we mm-hmm. wouldn't want to be addressed by because the the irritating thing is people don't People are so uh uh hesitant to to change, right? And they have to remember that through time, change always comes. P- gas prices are gonna change, certain clothes trends are gonna change, certain restaurant food, e- everything changes. But when it co- it's like everybody has an issue with it. So I'm like, dude, just do, you know, do your do your homework. It's okay to change because the more you know, the more you grow in life. And, that, and that's all something I've always said. The more I know, the more I grow. If I if I have lack of that information or if I just totally block that off. I'm not going to be really growing because I'm going to get stopped one period. I'm going to be like, wait a minute, wait, I didn't know about that. Well, I didn't do my learning. So <laughs> it's like, you got, you have to, you exactly. Have to and, the- and I,
1: th- I think it's important to, you know, we, we, yes, we grow and change individually, but we also collectively as a society grow and change. Um, you know, and one of the things, especially when we're talking about children within this realm, um, you know, people that might be pushing back or feeling like, okay, things are different than they were 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Um, Mm -hmm. For example, we'll talk about, you know, transgender issues, you know, and I have my 18 year old is, is transgender. um, And that was one of the reasons I got involved in some of the school board Mm -hmm. stuff as, as they're targeting uh, trans kids specifically. Um, You know, some of the people, again, this is, this also comes to trying to meet people where they are and understanding what their, their thought process, the perspective to some people is, this is a new thing and now mm. it's it's trendy and, and the kids just want to do it because other people are or whatever. Um, and I can understand that perspective, but when you step back and look at all of history and say, is this really a new thing or is it becoming safer to be this person and this way more outwardly? And that's why we see an increase of it in our culture. It's not that suddenly people are saying oh i want to be this because we had a very similar thing i remember growing up in the 80s and 90s you know where where gays and lesbians were coming more prevalent and more culturally accepted and Mm. then people said the same thing how come everybody you know now it's it's trendy to be gay everybody wants to be gay now and it's like no (laughs) they always were and they always were throughout history Mm -hmm. but 60 years ago you would have killed them for it Mm. so maybe they didn't talk about it openly and now they can and and Feel safer, and and then it helps with their mental health. So, so it's important when when I and that's one of those conversations we have with people who come back with that type of pushback. It's like, well, they're just doing this now because it's because it's the cool thing to do or whatever. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, no, people start vaping because that's what the cool kids do. They don't change their gender. Oh, do not
0: get me started with the tobacco. If I see another damn tobacco
1: vape shop,
0: like so many. Oh my gosh.
1: (laughs) But, but again, that, that also comes from meeting people where they are. And if we want to make progress, we can't have people, especially people in elected office, who mm-hmm. are always ready to combat somebody who comes at them with a different perspective. You know, we need to meet each other where we can meet and work from there. That's the only way we can get things done. And we, you know, And That's why, like you said, so many people are so frustrated with the dysfunction of our government right now, especially at the federal mm-hmm. level. Um Partially because of because we are so pushed to extremes on either side, that everybody else in the middle who just wants to live their life can't, and 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 that it creates this that kind of apathy and the, the disenfranchisement people just feel like why even vote like doesn't matter what side I pick they're both horrible, um, and that's that's sad and that's 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 a breaking down of our democracy when people feel that way um and that that's one of the struggles we have in chesapeake as well that, that mm-hmm. because one party has dominated so strongly for over a decade now people that might be more liberal or more progressive are disheartened and feel like yeah. well, why even bother because they're just going to control everything anyway which
0: yeah. we
1: need to overcome that by being out and proud Democrats as candidates running out there saying, look, there's Democrats in here too. Lots, lots of progressive. And truthfully in in Chesapeake, and this is why I agree with people that say it's more purple. We got a lot of more independent middle of the road, people like you, a lot of people in the city are more there than they are on either extreme side. Mm -hmm. And to that's where people want to live and when you look at statewide so you look at our municipal elections on our local elections and you know everybody's republican you know with the exception of one um mm-hmm. but when you look at statewide elections like when senator kane runs you know senator kane wins chesapeake you know and yeah. he's a democrat you know senator warner wins chesapeake um so Ch- chesapeake will vote collectively as a city on the state elections and federal elections and vote for democrats
0: mm-hmm.
1: but and not have a problem with it. But then when we get to our local elections, we just don't have that same energy and that same passion um, where we need to, we need to have strong candidates that are out there that are visible in the community. Um, And we're doing that. We're, we're, I believe we're heading in the right direction. And I think that Mm -hmm. it's better for Chesapeake for both parties to be strong um, because then we, we get a mix and we get people that can, be from both sides and compromise and work together. And that's how government's supposed to work. Um, So I think we're heading in the right direction, but you know, we got this year, we got, you know, next year, municipal elections again. We'll see how that
0: goes. So Awesome. Awesome. Well, look, Jeremy, I have to ask why, why should people vote for Jeremy Rodden? Um,
1: The, the biggest thing is that I truly see public service as running for office as, as that, as a service, as somebody that's public. Um, I feel especially on the state level and even the local level, a lot of people in the city don't even know who their representatives are. They don't, they couldn't pick them out of a lineup. You know, maybe Mm -hmm. they'll vote one way or the other because of a political affiliation or it's who somebody told them to vote for. Um, but I, 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 the, the legislators that I admire, um, you know, locally and throughout this city, you know folks like Delegate Jackie Glass in Norfolk and you know Danica mm-hmm. Rome up in Prince William County. Part of the reason I admire them is because they are always working to be visible and accessible within their community, which allows them to be more effective to advocate for the community. You know so I've had people that I've talked to, you know even more conservative people who who are excited to vote for me because they they believe that about me. You know, they Mm. believe that my goal is to actually represent the district that I'm in. Southern part of Chesapeake is where it's a little bit more conservative. I'm running as a Democrat. Mm. I'm running as, you know, I'm I'm a proud liberal. Um, But what I've reminded people as well is my personal beliefs are part of what dictate the way I would legislate, the way I would vote. But I'm not there to represent me. I am one voter in this district. I am there to represent the entirety of the district. And I think the more we can do that, regardless of whether or not you're a Democrat or Republican, the better our process works and the more trust people will have in the system. You know, if you feel like, well, my, I'm a Democrat, but my legislator is a Republican, so I can't even ask them to to help with something. Mm. If that's truly the reality of it, it's we're failing as a system. You know, we don't just represent the people that voted for us. We represent the whole district, even people that voted against us, we still are there to represent them. So we've got to be public. We've got to be visible. We've got to be accessible. That's why I I have everything on social media. You know, I refuse to call it X too.
0: I only, I only call it Twitter. I'm I'm just, (laughs) I don't accept it. It's Twitter. Yeah. You Um, you haven't, you haven't, you haven't made that change yet. You haven't gone gone with that change yet.
1: (laughs) I'm not, I I don't accept it. Um, But, but I think that's important. I think it's important that we're engaging, that we, are willing to have people ask us questions and, and, and being able to answer the hard questions, you know, yeah. and not just, you know, when, when, we sit in corners with people that already agree with us, we, that's back to, you said about growth, we never grow, mm-hmm. we never change if we're not challenged. Um, yeah. and as a legislator, as, as an elected official, I think that's part of the job is to be challenged. You can't just hide in a corner and say, well, I'm just with my people that agree with me, um, because that's not how progress works. So
0: Absolutely. And it's funny. I, I tell a lot of people like I have a slew of friends that majority, I'm pretty sure of the time we do not all agree at all. And I think that's the fun part, because that's how we each kind of grow off of each other. We learn a little bit from like majority of my friends. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, we I have, you know, conservative friends, I have liberal friends. I have, you know, same, that align with my beliefs. And then I have people that are total opposite. I mean, it's family friends. It's just and and that's how I continue to learn. I learn off conversation. I, you know, I'm. I rarely, I should read books more, but I, I, I read based off of people. I, you know, I learn a lot through, you know, through conversation and through individuals. Um, another, another quick question I would like to ask Jeremy before I get you off. Uh, why, if if an individual, for, if a voter says, hey, look, I'm tired of the whole pattern uh, thing going on when it comes to politics, when it comes to politicians as well. And I really don't think my vote counts. So I'm not even going to try. I'm going to just give up on what do you have to say to that individual? Because I always love to bring up that question. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a, not I'm 28 years old. I have people that are my age and younger, and uh, uh, you know, even 18 or just even older people. They, they don't know. They're not aware when it comes to local office. They don't know anything when it comes to that. They don't choose to at all either. Why is it very important? Why, you know, what can you say to an individual like them to say, "Hey, look, come on." <laughs> yeah,
1: it's 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 hard to overcome you know, a lifetime of feeling uh disappoint, you know, disappointment and stuff yeah. like that in, in a single conversation. Um, but especially when we talk about local, um, what you know, especially people that, you know, maybe people that, that vote every presidential year but don't vote every other year in between. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, that's a big chunk of the people that we 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 try to get to uh, because clearly they understand the process on a national level and, and why it's important. Um, but what what I try to remind people is. The re- local office affects your daily life more mm. than the president ever will. You know, when we talk about losing recycling in Chesapeake, that was a local issue, a local decision by our city council. If we had different people up there who were willing to negotiate differently, maybe maybe that would have went a different way. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so when we look at how our city is run, whether or not my trash get picked up on time is way more important than whatever nonsense those guys up in Congress in DC are talking about right now, you know, whether or not, you know, I've got, you know, you know, safe streets and things like that. That's all run on the local level, you know, our police and our sheriffs and so you know, that's all local. The funding from that comes from local. So the, the, what I, I try to tell people the inverse, if you're only going to vote, you know, in one election, the local election is the most important one to vote in. You know, Mm -hmm. president's going to be decided by everybody across the country, but the, the smaller level we're voting at, the m- more power your vote has because mm-hmm. you are one of 35,000 instead of one of 3 million. um So if you really want your vote and voice to count and then, and then the important thing is, you know, the old adage is you know, if you don't, if you don't vote, you can't complain. I mean, that's not true in this country. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you can always complain. That's, that's, that's first <laughs> amendment right there. But, but it's, it's true though, because the more you engage in the process, the more you understand about it, and the more you can affect it to benefit your needs and your community's needs. Um, you know, and 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 Chesapeake does a, a pretty decent job of that. We have a lot of good civic leagues that get involved and focus on things completely nonpartisan organizations that are just focused on on the needs of a community. Um, but we need to do more of that because the more people that vote, the more we hold these elected officials accountable. The more they're forced to represent everybody. Um, if you know the the other kind of cliche line is is that that decisions are made by the people who show up. Mm, you know, and mm. if you're not one of the people showing up, you're not helping direct things the way that you want them to go. So it does matter every vote does matter and you know i i give an example especially on a, on a house of delegates level um we've got mm-hmm. a great one a couple of years ago i think it was 2017 um up in uh, on the peninsula uh we literally had an election that was decided by picking a name out of a hat because it was a dead tie even after recounts it was exactly tied they literally yeah, picked the that. name I out of the hat. that yeah. Yeah. I mean, current delegate Shelly Simons was on the losing end of that. You know, she won two years later and took that seat back mm. properly. But but that's how much a single vote counted. And and it was even extra important because that was the fifty potential 50-50 split of our House of Delegates hinged on that race too. So not only was we, we were at a tie on that race, we were at a tie in the House of Delegates where control went to the Republicans instead of the Democrats. It, you know, And that yeah, that's two years of policy that could have been done differently. So, for those mm-hmm. of us that are on my side, that hurt. You know that that we lost two years of potential progress in in my perspective, in our perspective, because of that. So, yeah, one vote can matter, and it's and it's recent, and it's happened, you know, here and you know, the Greater Hampton Roads area. You know, it's it's a real. <laughs> so
0: hey hey, look, folks, you heard it here. That one vote can really make a huge difference, and your vote matters. So please, please, please. Be sure to vote come November fourth. I know early voting, I believe, is still happening right now. Jeremy, how can people continue to follow us uh, support your campaign as well? Uh, you know, how can they stay stay tuned and stay in touch with you?
1: Um, yeah, I, I'm like I said, I'm active on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Um, my website is just Jeremyrodden.com. You know, you can get to all my socials from there. I'm, I I make myself real easy to find. You know, if you if you Google my name, Jeremy Rodden, you will that's the first thing that's gonna pop up. I am, I am the Jeremy Rodden as far as Google's concerned. Um, So um, yeah, there's, there's plenty of ways to to follow and support, see, see what I'm doing. Donations through my website are available. Um, And uh, yeah, and like you said, early voting is still active. Um, Right now it is just Monday through Friday from eight to five at the registrar's office at 411 Cedar Road. Um, Starting on October 23rd, some of those uh, the satellite locations will open up in other parts of the, of the city, um, in Indian River and Western Branch and Deep Creek, and then the Central Library as well on Cedar. Um, and then th- those, that two weeks is the last two weeks of elections. Also, sa- Saturday voting will be available those two Saturdays. Um, mm. And that's that's, I know, important for a lot of people who work during the week, can't quite get to one of those locations. If you still want to vote early, you can go to any of the locations and vote early. You, you don't have to go to the location that's closest to you. You can, any location for early voting doesn't matter where you live in the city. Um, so, you know, we'll get out those two Saturdays and then, you know, November 7th is the last day, you know, when, and that's when we'll,
0: we'll, we'll see where the chips fall. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Jeremy, again, I truly appreciate it. My friend uh, taking the time out of your busy schedule, you know, coming here on the pod. Look y'all Jeremy and I, we're going to chop it up a little bit uh, once this is over again, we thank I thank you so much for tuning into another great episode of the Aaron to Gavin podcast coming to you with new episodes every Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, again, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time via podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Also, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time our YouTube, via our YouTube channel, Our Smooth Club Media. Subscribe, hit the like button. Also, our Facebook page, Our Smooth Club Podcast. And also, don't forget, to your boy hosts a weekly radio show uh, every Sundays at 12 p.m. on WNSB 91.1 FM uh, in your city, hosted by yours truly, along with my good friends. I have comedian Surat Fox with me, and then my sister, Hustle Queen herself, Miss Michelle Young. Tune in to us every Sundays at 12 p.m. Uh, if you're not in the Hampton Roads area, no worries. You can, If you can't find us on your radio dial, you can listen to us live online, WNSB.org, or download the free app, uh, WNSB app, anytime. Y'all take care. I will see you guys next time on the Aaron's Gavin Podcast. We are out.